Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Okay, so today I want to look at the right stuff, biblical keys to answered prayer. And, um, you know, the right stuff is a phrase that's used for the qualities needed to do or be something, especially something that most people would find difficult. So he has the right stuff to be a leader. And it actually, in my mind, it comes predominantly from a movie and a book in the late 70s, early 80s called The Right Stuff. And you might have you might have remembered it. The, the movie didn't do very well. It actually didn't break even. But it got eight Oscar nominations and won four Academy Awards. And it's actually been recognized as a historical film by the U.S. government. So even though it didn't do well, that movie was incredible. And what it was about is about the early pioneers of jet travel. Now today, we hop on a plane and we can fly overseas and, you know, when they had the Concorde, anybody here remember the Concorde aircraft? Do you remember uh, back in 1977, some of you weren't alive then, I remember when the Concorde was part of the opening of the Calgary airport, right? 1977, they brought the Concorde in. It was a big deal. Well, they, they've retired it, but the Concorde could, could, you know, supersonic, it could go uh, at least a couple times uh, faster than the speed of sound. I mean, it's just phenomenal speeds at these planes. Well, we, we forget that people had to pioneer that. They had to, after the war, they had to fly those aircraft and no one had broken the speed of sound yet. And, and it took a lot of courage. Uh, I, I don't know, I don't think I'd have the courage to do that, to get into a plane and say, hey, I'm, we're going to attempt to break the speed of sound. We don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully the plane will stay together, but we're going to do it. And so the right stuff is all about those early pilots, people like Chuck Yeager, uh, who never became an astronaut, but was one of the greatest um, test pilots ever. And then also it talks about the first uh, manned space uh, astronauts for Merc- the Mercury program. You know, the, the Russians were, were in space and going into space. The U.S. was behind. And so they, they, they worked hard to find seven people that they could uh, put into the Mercury program who'd be willing to take the risk to go into space. And so the, the movie and the book are all about what it takes and, and what qualities these men had. What, they had the right stuff to be test pilots, to be astronauts. It took a lot of guts, right? So the whole movie's about the right stuff. Now, when I thought about it, you say, well, what does that have to do with prayer? Well, you know what? I believe that God wants us in our lives to go to new heights in our spiritual walk. I believe he wants us to break through barriers that we're experiencing right now. I bet if I asked you, are there any barriers to your spiritual walk? Any areas you need breakthrough? Any areas that are hindering you? I bet all of us would say, yes, there are. They might be emotional barriers. They might be mental barriers. They might be physical barriers. They might be health barriers. Things that hinder you and I from moving forward. And so if we're gonna do that, we need to understand what it takes to break through. We need to understand. We need to have the right stuff in prayer in order to be those pioneers. Clever, eh? Do you get the connection? Anyway, sorry. I just should never have to say that because it should be obvious. I like the phrase here, the right stuff, how the future began. I love that phrase, how the future began. Let me just say this about prayer. Prayer is actually the key to the beginning of our future. It really is. 
You know, I remember somebody talking once about prayer being like laying tracks ahead of us. You know, if you were laying tracks ahead of a train, if you think about the pioneering days in, in the West and in the Western Canada and the Western U.S. and how those trains would come out and they'd be literally ahead of it putting tracks down, right? Ahead of the, 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 the initial locomotive. They'd be dropping tracks and so that train could keep moving across the prairies. I believe that when you and I pray, it's like laying tracks ahead of us. You know, we're, we're trying to go a certain direction and we're, we want God to lead us. But when you and I pray, when you and I are intentional to pray and seek him, we're dropping tracks in front of us. God is putting tracks in front of us that guides us forward into our destiny. And I think the reality is you and I have a responsibility. Sometimes I look at my own life and I can become a little fatalistic, a little bit passive, you know, and think, well, what can I do to change my circumstance? What can I do to break out of this situation? Listen, I can do a lot because I have a God who can do a lot. But, but here's the reality. I need to work with him. I need to give him something to work with. I need to do my part. And prayer is a way that you and I, not in our own strength, not in striving, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do our part. And when we do our part, we cry out to God and we're seeking him. He does his part. And he responds to our prayer. Does that make sense? And so if you and I are going to be pioneers, if you and I are going to break forth and go into places we've not gone before, both in this church, in our personal lives, then we need to have the right stuff. We need to have what it takes. And so I want to give you today three keys, I think, three, heart con three conditions that give us the right stuff to see answer prayer. They are a right heart, right relationships, and right attitude. Okay, right heart, right relationships, and right attitude. This is going to be a super complicated message. It's going to be very basic, I think, and very much reminding us. But, but here's the thing. I realize in my life, I need to be reminded constantly about the basics. Do you ever find that? Sometimes we want to go into the deeper truths. That's great. But often I forget the basic truths. Often I get neglectful in key areas. And I think God wants to stir us. Because listen, church, I believe God has more for us as individuals here. And I believe he has more for us as a church. And even though there's obstacles and even though there's things we face, we have a big God and he is, not, he is not unaware of the challenges we face. He's big enough. But I think he often looks down and he says, how desperate are my people? Are they hungry? I, I, I was thinking about it this week. Um, I, I was, there's some issues that, that are in front of me that I'm looking at and I, I'm actually going into a time of really seeking God this month and pressing in because I want breakthroughs in areas. And, and I felt the Lord say to me this week, and I'll just share it with you. He's, he just said to me, how desperate are you, Ian? How desperate are you? And I felt like God was challenging me. Are you really desperate? Are you really hungry? Am I really your source? Then, then press into me. Then, then lay it all on the line with me. I thought, yes, Lord, that's true. That's true. That's part of having the right stuff for prayer. So let's look at, first of all, the right heart. What does it mean? Psalm 66 says this. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Look what Isaiah 59 says. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Now, this is interesting. I think sometimes we think, well, you know, God will always hear me no matter what I do, no matter how I live. You know, he's just, and, and listen, God is always there for you to come back to him, to repent, to deal with things and to come in a place of, of agreement with him again. But there are times when you and I walk in ways where 
where we're not right with God, where we're not obeying him, we're walking in blatant disobedience, or we're doing things we know we shouldn't do. And then we wonder, why aren't my prayers being answered? Why, why do I feel like no, God's not listening? Where is God? And, and we need to stop and say, well, Lord, where am I? Where's my heart? Where, where am I living right now? Am, am I in a place that you can actually hear me? Are you hearing me, God? And God's saying, your sins get in, in the way. Your, your, your disobedience gets in the way. If you cherish sin in your heart, the Lord wanna, would not have listened. I think we need to understand that. And maybe one thing you could even look at today, and we're going to consider this, is, Lord, where's my heart? Where am I with you? Maybe my lack of prayer being answered is because I'm not walking right. I need, I need to repent. I need to deal with some things. I need to get my heart right. Micah 6.8 says this, He has showed you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Wow. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. That's the heart God wants. He wants a humble, repentant heart that's wanting to do it his way and is teachable to him. Those are qualities of the right heart. You know, I've heard about motorcycle racing and uh, actually I've never gone to a motorcycle race. Anyone ever gone to a motorcycle race here? Yes, okay, Glenn has. I remember your name, Glenn. Wow. Oh, I'd like to go. I mean, it just free. I have a motorcycle, but <laughs> I've never leaned down that far. I don't think I will. But you watch those guys. I mean, they're leaning into the track pretty hard in motorcycle racing. One thing I've heard about motorcycle racing, though, the high performance units with the with the the you know high performance engines. They use the the best fuel and everything. Any dirt that gets into that engine, they have to be really really careful because if if the fuel gets contaminated at all like slightly, it'll impair the motor. If there's dirt actually in the motor, it'll, it'll stop the motor from running. So you got this high performance motorcycle, but if they're careless, it turns into a beater, right? And I, I look at that picture, right? And that's a picture of our lives. That's a picture of you and I. We're meant to be high performance spiritually. God didn't, you know, honestly, God doesn't desire that you just sputter along in your spiritual walk. He doesn't want that. He wants you, like he wants you to be high performance. He wants your prayer life, your connection with him, to have an edge to it, to be fast in the sense of being able to, to connect with him. He wants that. But if there's dirt that gets in the motor of your spiritual life, a little bit of dirt, and it doesn't even take a lot. It doesn't even take a lot. Just a little bit of compromise. A little bit of, Yeast, the Bible says, leavens the whole lump, right? All of a sudden, we're sputtering. All of a sudden, we're not hearing properly. All of a sudden, the connection. You get the point? You get the picture. And I think, I think we have to think about that. Sometimes we blame God when we get in a situation where we're dry and we're struggling and things aren't good. We're like, where are you, God? And God, God is just saying, look, just, just before you blame me and you get upset at me, maybe turn and just focus a bit on you and consider How's your heart? Where, is there any dirt? <laughs> is there anything getting in there that is locking you up and stopping you from moving forward in me? God, I need some cleansing. Psalm 139, this is a good prayer. This is a good prayer to pray regularly. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me 
in the way everlasting. God search me. You know, I, I like what Paul says in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul wrote 30 to 40% of the New Testament. Amazing man. And he says in the New Testament, he says, I don't even trust my own heart. He says, I don't even trust the way I assess myself. I might think I'm okay. I might look at myself and go, you're pretty good. You're doing okay. I think you're all right. I might do that. But he says, I could be deceived. It's actually, what does God think of me? How does God view my life? Am I okay with him? That's where we have to take moments and times to say, God, search me and know me. Test me. See if there's any offensive way in me. I think that's the key here. If we think, God, I don't know if my heart's right. I don't know if I'm in a place where I'm really trusting you. And there's, there's issues that are coming up. You know, a few weeks ago, we talked about the lies in our first big butt of the Bible. We did all our, well, there's many more big butts in the Bible we could talk about. Uh, I, when I was in the UK, I stressed to them, I'm talking about B-U-T-S's, not B-U-T-T-S's. I just was really clear on that. Um, but big butts of the Bible, we had, we, I think we had seven messages with, you know, where, where Jesus often says it's not this, but it's this. And it seems contrary to what we would think. And the first one we talked about was um, not anxiety, but peace, our first message. And if you, if you want to look at how to deal with lies and the things that we believe, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that message. Because often our hearts, we're believing lies, we're believing the things the devil tells us, and it, it impairs us. It causes us to walk in, in unbelief. Um, the other thing is, when our heart is right, then we can care for others. And I've said this often. I've said, you know, I am a pastor, but unless I am right with God and being filled with his spirit, I don't care for people like I should. I am just not naturally good. The Bible says, actually, none of us are. And, and here's what happens, though. If our heart gets right, here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 21. If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he will cry out and not be answered. In other words, God is looking for our hearts to care. He's looking for our hearts to care for others. But how do we do that? Well, we just don't work harder. We, we, again, need the source of compassion to come into us. And I want to just say something. If you feel like your heart is getting cold and your heart is being not as caring to others, then go back again to the source and say, God, what's happening with my heart? What, what's the problem here? Mark 11 tells us that we need to have faith in God, which is also a byproduct of a right heart. It says, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. You know what God wants in our hearts? He wants a heart of faith. Now, the only way, and, and the, you know what the Bible's clear on? If you and I have a heart that really believes that God's gonna answer our prayers, the Bible says God will hear us and he will answer. I don't know if you've ever unpacked that scripture, but that's phenomenal. That is a huge promise for us. But here's the key. You and I need to have our heart connected properly with God so that his faith, his confidence is in us. That when we pray, we actually believe that he hears and we believe he'll answer. That's when he says he'll answer. So first of all, a right heart. A lot more could be said about that, but I think that's a start. Second is right relationships. Right relationships. Um, in Matthew 5, so here, here's the key. God makes it clear that if he's going to respond to us in prayer and he's going he's to um, hear us and there's going to be breakthrough in prayer, that he also, it's not only our relationship with him and how our heart is with him, it's also how our heart is 
with other people. Isn't that interesting? He never separates the two. You know, we can say, well, God, my heart's right with you. I love you. I can't stand everyone else in my life. And I'm walking in unforgiveness. But I love you, God. He goes, I appreciate that. But I care about all those people that you're walking in unforgiveness towards right now. And, you know, I can't really hear you. All I hear is the unforgiveness and bitterness coming out of your heart. Do you get what I'm saying? And sometimes we want to divorce the two. We can't. Look what it says in Matthew 5. Now, Matthew 5 is talking about bringing a gift to God at the temple and, and trying to worship God and trying to honor him. And here's what it says. If you're offering your gift at the altar and remember your brother is something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Now, I understand we're talking here this morning about prayer. I get that. But I think the principle is the same. When I come to God in prayer, I'm offering something to him. Prayer, prayer is a form of worship in the sense that, like, you know, I worship God like we did this morning. I can sing. I can make him great. But when I, when I come and pray, I'm worshiping him. I'm, I'm acknowledging that he's greater than me, that, that he's my God, and that I want to honor him and live my life for him. So I'm worshiping him. And if we take that principle and apply it to our prayers, think about this for a minute. God's looking at us and we're coming to him and crying out to him. And he's saying, look, if you're coming to me and praying, but realize your heart's not right towards someone else, you need to deal with that. You need to deal with that. You need to do what you can to make that right. You can't hold on to that grudge. You can't hold on to that difficulty. Look what Romans 12 says. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Wow. And, and you know, that, that answers a lot of questions because you'd say, well, you know, Pastor, I appreciate that, but I've tried to get things right with, you know, my relative or my friend and, and we're not reconciled and there's still unforgiveness on their part. You know what? You've tried. As far as it depends on you, you've done everything you can. You've, you've released forgiveness. You've tried to meet with them. You've tried to work it out. It's in their court now, right? Where the problem is, can I, can I just say this? The problem for all of us is when we haven't even tried as much as it depends on you, right? Where, where I'm not even attempting to try to make it right. And I know there's times God has come to me and he's pointed out to me that my heart isn't right towards somebody. Um, and, and that I have a wrong attitude, a wrong motive. And sometimes, you know, we can have things that happen in our lives and, and you don't necessarily, that, that other person may not even know what has happened. They may not even know how you felt about a situation and you just release forgiveness to them and that's fine. As long as you can do that and it's cleared up, that's great. But sometimes, you know, we, we need to for sure go and talk to them. We need to explain our hearts and make sure you know what I'm talking about? And where we get in trouble is when we know we should and we know we should make it right and we don't. And I don't, I don't know about you, but the only reason I wouldn't is because I don't want to face it. I don't want to talk to that person. I don't, I don't want to have to deal with it. And yet my heart isn't right. And so I walk in a, in a wrong relationship and God's saying, when we do that, there's a disconnect in prayer. There's a disconnect with him. Here we are pouring our heart out. Here we are seeking him. And he looks down at us and he says, yeah, but you're not, you're walking in bitterness. You're walking in unforgiveness. There isn't a unity that you have in your life. And actually, we, I, I preached earlier this year on unforgiveness. I encourage you to find that. And if, you know, we can help you with that. I, I didn't write down the actual title. But I, we did a, a, a several part series on how to deal with 
uh, unforgiveness and how to forgive other people. I'd encourage you to look at it. It's really important about how we deal with it. But let me just give you some thoughts here. Um, There's an article in Lifeline that says that um, according to the latest medical and psychological research, forgiving is good for our souls and our bodies. So aside even from this whole spiritual aspect of prayer, um, forgiveness is really, really important. People who forgive benefit from better immune functioning. They have lower blood pressure. They have better mental health than people who do not forgive. They feel better physically. They have lower amounts of anger and fewer symptoms of anxiety and depression. And they maintain more satisfying and long-lasting relationships. In other words, holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness is just plain bad for you and me. We weren't made for that, right? And if we're holding on to it, these are the, the, the side effects. I like uh, what Lewis Smeads, he's the writer of Forgive and Forget, Healing the Hurts We Don't Deserve. Here's what he says about forgiveness. He says, if we say that monsters, people who do, not, who do terrible evil, are beyond forgiving, we give them a power they should never have. They're given the power to keep their evil alive in the hearts of those who suffered most. We give them power to condemn their victims to live forever with the hurting memory of their painful pasts. We give the monsters the last word. What is he saying? He's saying when you and I withhold forgiveness, say that person is not worthy. Now, he's talking here about the monsters of society. You know, we think of Hitler. We think of terrible people. Uh, but he, but you know, we have monsters that we have in our own lives. We have people in our own lives often who have hurt us. And sometimes we say, I don't want to release forgiveness to them. And what he's saying is when we do that, we actually empower that very thing. And we actually walk in a way that leaves us far less than we could be. Finally, I have one more quote for you. When Navarez, the Spanish patriot, lay dying, his father, a Catholic priest, asked him whether he had forgiven all his enemies. And Navarez looked astonished and said, Father, I have no enemies. I have shot them all. <laughs> Sorry, I like that one. It's very irreverent. It has nothing to do with the topic. <laughs> Don't do that. That's not good. Don't shoot all your enemies. <laughs> My point is we need to deal with unforgiveness, folks. We need to deal with unforgiveness. Now, one other area we need to think about with relationships and prayer is with your spouse. If you're married here, you need to realize that how you relate to your spouse affects how God answers your prayer. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs with you the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, it's, this is a very basic principle, but I do need to mention it. How we walk with our spouse, whether we're in unity, whether there's issues between us, affects our prayer life. There, there's a principle of unity. When, when we're married, we are, we are one flesh. We are one in spirit. We are connected together. And so if we're at odds, and that's what the Bible's warning. You know, earlier in 1 Peter, God is challenging the, the wives to submit to their husbands, to love their, their husbands properly. And then it goes to the husbands. And he challenges the husbands to walk properly with their wives and to realize who they are and to honor them, which was countercultural, to be honest, of those times. Women had little rights in those days. In fact, um, they weren't treated as the weaker partner, even physically weaker, so to speak. It doesn't mean they're inferior. Don't get me wrong. But he's just saying you need to cherish your wife. You need, you know, f- physically women are not as strong as men generally. So take care. Well, in those days, you'd see usually 
uh, a man sitting on a donkey and his wife walking alongside. In fact, in the Middle East today, you might still see that in many ways, right? So there, there was a lack of that. And so in the New Testament, as, the, as Christians began to take godly attitudes, the challenge was, listen, you be different. You honor your wife. You care for her. You be in unity with her. And you cherish her. Or else your prayers will be hindered. God will look down and he sees that. And there's no unity and agreement. And so your prayers are hindered. So let me just challenge you lovingly. If you're married here today, maybe if you're struggling to see answer prayer, maybe it comes back to your relationship with your spouse. Maybe you need to say, God, is my relationship right with my spouse? Right heart, right relationships. And lastly, finally, right attitude. We need a right attitude. What's the right attitude? Well, James 4 says this. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And I like this mug here. <laughs> Actually, it's all about me, right? Now, in our culture, to be very real, um, it's often the case, isn't it? I, I think we're probably more, more oriented towards our personal needs than ever. I mean, we have the greatest comfort there is, right? Seriously, I, I, I reflect, when I, go to, when I go to Kenya on a mission trip, that's where I really appreciate what we have here. That's when I think, wow, we're pretty blessed. We have a flush toilet that I've taken for granted. Oh, we can drink water, you know, that, that's not going to make me sick. I don't have to drink a bottle of water. I mean, we're really blessed. When we live in this culture, though, we become more and more entitled. And it's more about us. It's more about how, how, how am I, is this good for me? Um, it, you know, my needs are first. I mean, if you look at our culture, that really is preeminent, right? And here's the reality for all of us. God wants to take care of our needs. He loves us. But he does say to seek first his kingdom. And all these things will be added to us when we seek first the kingdom of God. And so this, this passage tells us that when you and I ask with wrong motives just so we can spend it on our pleasures, that's when we don't receive. God's saying, you know what? Um, I, I'm not just going to answer that prayer. It's not just about you. And in fact, if I gave you that, it wouldn't be good for you. It would actually be bad for you. So you got to trust me when I say no and I'm not letting you break forward into that area of your life that I actually have a plan for you and that you can trust me to care for you. The kingdom, I mean... I like what C.S. Lewis said. If you've, if you've ever read like screw tape letters and some of the books that C.S. Lewis wrote, he says, all that is not eternal is eternally useless. <laughs> all that is not eternal, all that's not going to last forever, all that doesn't go past this life is eternally useless. It, 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 it won't matter. It'll be gone. And he goes on to talk about how the kingdom of God is in a physical place. It's a spiritual realm. And it starts off with our hearts. And he says, wherever a believer is, there is the kingdom. There is the witness to Christ. There is the influence of Christ. The kingdom of God is hidden in business, industry, the professions, education, government, labor, private clubs, in millions of homes. Love that quote. He said, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the rule of God in people's hearts. And the kingdom of God extends one person at a time. And in business, education, our homes, it's meant to extend. It's meant to be there. But here's, so here's the reality. God wants his kingdom to expand. And so if you think about it, the kingdom of God expanding is people, right? And God loves people. 
God cares about people. You know, sometimes I'll watch people. You ever done this? Not in a creepy way. But you ever sat and watched people? <laughs> Again, just in a very appropriate way. But you just watch people moving and walking. And, and I, I, I've, I've, you know, sometimes at a red light, I see people go across a crosswalk. Or, and I'll just, I'll just have a sense in my heart that God loves that person. I don't even know who they are. But all of a sudden, I'll just think, God really loves people. I'll just suddenly sense his heart for that woman or that man. It's like God saying, I, I made that person. And I want him or her to know me. That's God's heart. And he wants it to be our heart. And you know, you know what? Sometimes my heart isn't sensitive to that. Sometimes I'm all about me. I'm focused only on my needs, only on what, I, what my future is. And God's saying, Ian, it's about the kingdom. You're about the kingdom. Just stay focused on what matters. Stay focused on eternity. And when you do, I'll take care of you. When you do, I'll walk with you. Don't worry. And, and I think sometimes, you know, we, we lose that. I lose that. Here's what 1 John 5 tells us. And again, these are, I'm just giving you a survey here. There's a lot we could dig into on this. 1 John 5 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. Now think about this for a minute. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Providing the other conditions are right. Do you understand? I just talked about having a right heart. I talked about having right relationships. These things can knock out God's ability to hear us. But, but all things being equal, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know we have what we asked of him. Wow, that would be worth meditating on, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be worth meditating on? That is a powerful passage. He's saying, if we ask according to God's will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, then he's going to give to us what he's promised. I love some quotes here that, uh, that kind of bring that home. Hannah Whittle Smith said, If the will of God is our will, and if he always has his way then we always have our way also. Isn't that something? If the will of God is our will, if, I'm, if I've let God into my heart, if I've said, God, search me, know me, change my heart, make my desires your desires, I don't want to have my own desires, I don't want to do it my way, I want to submit to you. If we do that, and he comes in, and we surrender, and we let him cleanse our hearts of all the yuck, and we let him purify us, then, then his will is going to become our will. We're going to become more caring. We're going to become more loving. We're going to want to do it his way. And then the Bible's clear that if we pray out of that place, with his will being our will, because he's grafted it into our hearts, that he hears us and he'll do what he said he'd do. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, it's not about us fighting with ourselves, trying to be in agreement with God. It's about us letting him come in and surrendering more and more so he takes over, right? That's what it's about. It's so important for us to understand that. <clears throat> Helga Burgle Gross, I just went and got a bunch of quotes on this, which I thought were so good. She says, what we usually pray to God is not that his will be done, but that he approve ours. Malcolm Nigren said, a God who filled the prayer orders of people whose wills were not his own would be no God at all. He would be a heavenly vending machine, right? <laughs> He'd just be doing what you wanted. He'd be like, put in a couple quarters, Put in a couple scriptures and out will come what you want. Listen, folks, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. We, we want God's will. We're here for him. 
We're surrendered to him. And he wants to put his heart into us. So when we pray, we're praying according to his purposes. We're, we're crying out to him for those things that are on his heart. And when we do that, he says, I will answer and I'll use you to be part of the answer. I'll actually flow through your life and make you part of that adventure so that you can sense my blessing. I don't know about you, but the greatest blessing is to be used by God. Have you ever found that in your life? The most exciting thing is to sense that God did something through you and blessed somebody else. They, they sense God's truth in their life. Something, some light dawned in their heart and their mind that never, they never understood before. And all of a sudden, or you got to share with that person who doesn't know Jesus at all. And you got to share something and they got a little bit closer. I, I, I like to talk to my hairdresser. <laughs> I, I always lock in on the same hairdresser. I find somebody I like. And then I just stay with that person for years. I did it in the hat. I had like eight years with the same person. And I, I had like monthly chats with this person, right? They're kind of a captive audience. They became my friends. So I have this woman now. I just went yesterday to get my hair cut. You can probably tell because it looks so amazing. Anyway, sorry. No, but I, I so I went yesterday and, and I love to chat with this, with this woman. Um, she has actually shared her heart with me and opened up and told me stuff. I don't think she tells hardly anyone. And it's just, Years of trust. I don't know how to describe it, right? Sitting there and, and talking to her. And, and you know what? When I leave at times and I've, I've talked with her and I feel like, you know, God, I was able to, to plant something. It feels good. It feels like, God, you're using me to be even a small blessing to the person who cuts my hair. Because that's your kingdom. You want, you want to use everything I do every day as I'm surrendered to you to advance the kingdom. See, that mindset we need to have. God, help me be open. Help me be open to you. And then help me to ask in accordance with that. David Livingston said, I had rather be in the heart of Africa in the will of God than on the throne of England out of the will of God. You know, I, when I was at Westminster Abbey, Val and I, we're just in the UK, and, and I finally had the chance to get to Westminster Abbey. When I was 18, I blew the opportunity. I was there, and I'd seen so many cathedrals, and I was 18. It's the end of the day, and I went, I opened the door, looked in, and went, ah, whatever. Closed the door. I mean, seriously, this is the place where kings are coronated, where royal weddings happen, the, the, the chair is there, where they're, cor like, you know, Churchill's buried there. Like, seriously, 18, ah, whatever. I've regretted it ever since. Finally, at 54, I get to go in there. Well, one of the coolest places where, where David Livingston is buried. He's buried there. Now, his heart isn't buried there. His heart is buried in Africa. Before David Livingston's body was taken, he told the people, I want you to bury my heart in Africa. I think there's a place in Zambia where his heart is buried by a tree. <laughs> and his body was taken to England. His body's buried there. I didn't do this with anything else, but I actually stooped down and touched David Livingston's stone. Not that it meant anything, but I just felt like, because it meant nothing to him or anyone else. But to me, it was like saying, this is an amazing man of God. And I just, this is hallowed ground. That's how I felt. But why? Because David Livingston was all about the kingdom. He was all about God's purposes. He was willing to go to Africa. He was willing to do whatever. David Livingston did not die as an old man. He was not that old. I can't remember the exact age, but he looked really old. When he died, he, one eye had been poked out. He, he, he apparently looked terrible because he'd given his life in Africa and it was brutal. 
but he served the kingdom. And that's what God wants us to do. Seek first the kingdom. Kingdom attitude, kingdom mindset, kingdom passion. What do you want me to do, God? What is your purpose for my life? And are we willing to go there and say, God, I want to be in your will. You know, um, Paul Little, another Christian leader, made this observation. I was frustrated out of my mind trying to figure out the will of God. I was doing everything but getting into the presence of God and asking him to show me. Wow. Yeah, right? God, what's your will for my life? What do you want to do next? What are we going to do? And we sit and wring our hands and we struggle. And God's saying, come close. Come close. I know. I know what to do. I know what the future is. I know what my will is. Just come close. Present yourself. And I'll show you. Abide in me and I'll abide in you in my words, and you ask whatever you will, and I will do it. In other words, I want you in relationship with me. And, and some of you need to hear this today. You're wringing your hands about what is the will of God in my life. And God's saying, I want you to come to me in prayer, but I want you to come close, and I will show you what my will is. I have a plan. It's predestined before the world began. In fact, God knew you'd exist before the world began. So he knows your plan. He knows what he has for you. He knows what he has for my life. He knows what he has for this church. Nothing's outside his purvey. But he says, I want you to come to me. So having a right attitude, which is a kingdom motive and, a, and, and wanting to be according to God's will. So conclusion, if we pray with a right heart, right relationships and a right attitude, then God will hear us. God will hear us. There are so many promises that I encourage you to meditate on like, like I need to meditate on further the last thing when we come with a right heart and attitude is we need to persevere. Matthew 7 says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. So the reality is God has answers. When you and I pray with a right heart, having right relationships with a right kingdom attitude. God says, I'll hear you and you, can, you keep persisting and I will come through. I will come through. I really believe some of you need to hear this. And when I was ready to preach, I thought, this is a pretty basic message. This is just basic stuff. Lord says, yeah, well, you need to remember it. <laughs> it's easy to forget. And I felt he said there are people that need to hear it today because they're facing tough odds. They're facing difficult circumstances and they feel like I'm not hearing and they feel like I'm not listening. He says, I, I, I want to encourage them to assess where they're at and to consider because I want them to be aligned with me. And when they're aligned with me, I will speak to them clearly and I will show them what I want to do and I will bring breakthrough. You need to hear that today. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca.